Welcome to Service Headline News. I'm your host, Marty Smith, and I'm joined by Eric Perrott. Howdy, guys. And Jake Wall. Good to hear you guys. And we're here to bring you the latest headlines and updates pertinent to all servicemen and women. So sit back, get informed, and have a laugh as the Swearing In Podcast presents Service Headline News. Good to hear you guys again, gentlemen. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> good to see you again. I, I I don't know if there has been a podcast yet that I've made it through that spiel after Jake says something that I haven't chuckled. I don't know why. <laughs> it's I, not like I'm throwing jokes out. Right you're off. not, but I have no idea what you're going to say. And then when you don't say something funny, I'm like, that makes me laugh too. <laughs> oh, that last one, all I did was giggle in the background. <laughs> but usually that stops me cold, but this time I powered right through it. Man. Yeah, you did good. Good job. Yeah, thank you. Getting desensitized thank you. to it. Uh, you do that. Uh, much like you did to my leg many years ago. So <laughs> it's like gnawing on a bone. <laughs> Here for you, Marty. Here for you. Ah, well, yeah, that's closer than you think, Eric. That's actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. So let's jump into it, Eric. What do you got? Well, guys, I, you know this one isn't really related to military service, uh, but it's dear to my heart. Okay. And I believe it will be for you as well. Because this happened April 4th, 1968. Any ideas? <laughs> All right. Wait. I have a filming have... of Woodstock. No. Oh, well, that's not a bad oh, guess. That's oh, not a bad guess. I have a name for you and tell me if it rings a bell. Okay. James Earl Ray. Oh, is that uh, the T uh... Baron? No, sir. No, sir. That's Earl Grey. <laughs> so close. Okay. Mass murderer, about... tea. That's close. We're not, we're not talking about teabagging. <laughs> uh, was he in the tower, or what did he do? Didn't he shoot some people? Texas A&M. No, you're close. But uh, this occurred on Thursday at 6.05 p.m., April 4th. 1968, Martin Luther King was shot dead oh. while standing on a balcony outside his second floor room at the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, Tennessee. Damn. Yeah. yeah, crazy. News of King's assassination prompted major outbreaks of racial violence, resulting in more than 40 deaths nationwide and extensive property damage in over 100 American cities. James Earl Ray, a 40-year-old escaped fugitive, later confessed to the crime and what said 99-year prison term. During oh, King- he, yeah, he, go ahead. he did go to trial then. Well, he confessed after they caught the guy. Somehow or another, he was able to get out of the States and was captured in England. Oh, shit. Yeah, I was unaware of that. Huh. Uh, During King's funeral, a tape recording was played in which King spoke of how he wanted to be remembered after his death. I'd like somebody to mention that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to give his life serving his life serving others. King had arrived in Tennessee on Wednesday, 3 April, to prepare for a march the following Monday on behalf of uh, striking Memphis sanitation workers. 
Yeah, that was a big day, man. That wow. uh, that changed the face of uh, what was it? Integration, uh, racism in general. You know. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And he was uh he was uh the the peaceful side of that, right? He had Turn your cheek. Yep. You had Malcolm X, who was the militant side, but you had Martin Luther King, who was the peaceful side. Yeah. Um <clears throat> what was the order? Obviously, Kennedy got shot first. Then was it Martin Luther King? Then was it Robert Martin Kennedy Luther. after that? Yeah, I think Robert was last, to be honest with you. Right, my God. Well, Malcolm X got assassinated too. Didn't yeah, he? he did too. And I, but I, that wasn't until the seventies. I think he was shot with a thirty-eight six Remington rifle. Oh, it was Ooh, uh, Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. Yeah, the weapon that was used was a thirty-eight six Remington rifle. Now, what were you saying? Was he giving a speech, or was he not? He was preparing. Um, let's see. He was there on March 3rd prepping for um, uh, talking on, on the striking Memphis sanitation workers. So where, he, did he, where did he get shot at? He was at the Lorraine Motel. So as he prepared to leave the Lorraine, Lorraine Motel for a dinner at the home of Memphis oh, okay. minister Samuel Billy Kyles, King stepped out onto the balcony of room 306 to speak with Southern Christian Leadership Conference colleagues standing in the parking area below. The assassin fired a single shot that caused severe wounds to the lower right side of his face. Damn. Yep. Aides rushed to him, and Ralph Abernathy cradled King's head. Others on the balcony pointed across the street toward the rear of a boarding house on South Main Street, where the shot seemed to have originated. They say how far, how far away it was? No, it doesn't give a distance. Uh, An ambulance rushed to King to Saint uh, Ray, rushed King to Saint Joseph's Hospital, where doctors pronounced pronounced him dead at seven o five. So it was almost an hour to the time, yeah, that he stepped out. Where I mean, when he was shot, six o five. That was April fourth. Yes, sir. Wow, wow. Um, sad day. Sad day. Oh. Kennedy was 63. Malcolm X was 65. Oh, 65. Martin Luther King Jr. was 68. Oh, so King King was last. How about Bobby King, Kennedy? Was can you was... imagine in in that, you know, five years, if that happened today? Oh like, my goodness. Well, that's the that's the whole thing. You know, we we I've said it before. My wife always goes, these are the end times. And I'm like, I think they had it rougher, you know? Yeah. Uh, in the sixties. And yeah. What'd you say in five years, you had four uh, prominent leaders or three. Leaders. Yeah. Three. Um, We're more about mass shootings today. Back then it was just singles. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez, <man. laughs> um, let's see. Oh shit! Robert Kennedy was killed in '68 too, so both King and Kennedy were both killed in '68. Yeah, both great leaders, man. It's it's amazing to me. <laughs> All right, should we get into it? Uh, first story from TaskandPurpose.com. Green Berets are testing a prototype glider, prototype glider drone for speedy resupply. 
So Green Berets from the first special forces group successfully tested Defense Department contractor Silent Arrow. That's the name of the company. Silent Arrow's GD-2000 glider, a disposable autonomous aircraft that can haul up to 1,500 pounds of gear and equipment in its coffin-shaped body at ranges of up to 40 miles away. Uh, During testing at Yuma this past February, Green Berets deployed a GD-2000, which as a uh, is a tandem wing glider. It flies on four seven-foot spring-loaded wings that pop out of the fuselage. It's pretty cool. I, I, I've got a video I'll show you. With a thousand-pound payload from a C-27 cargo aircraft, and it landed within 30 meters of its intended target on the range with its cargo completely intact. Uh, Silent Arrow claims the GD-2000 can handily beat the current delivery range of the U.S. military's parachute-based JPADS, the Joint Precision Airdrop System, at half the cost, and it can operate through contested spaces with GPS accuracy. JPADS tend to be both larger in size and have limited ability to maneuver through the air, making them less accurate, especially over long distances or in high wind conditions. The GD-2000 glider itself is completely disposable, once the resupply is complete. So it's essentially a box with spring-loaded wings on it and a nav uh a nav suite on it to direct it. Pretty neat, pretty yeah. pretty low cost. It pretty neat, yeah. But the whole thing <clears throat> the testing was funded through a 2.2 million dollar award to Silent Arrow. <laughs> this is a great name. Through the Pentagon's Warfighter Lab Incentive Fund, the WLIF. <laughs> Another one of those things that create money. <laughs> yeah, what, ah. yeah, what's going on with these? Like, that's a ton of different independent. Oh, it's all over. Tabs and things. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I knew most of them, but just in the last four weeks, we've introduced a new one every single week. Yeah. And there's, there's like three or four elements that are under this WLIF. Um, which if you look at it fast, it looks like MILF. So it's not, it's Wolf, Wolf, Wolf. I don't know. Um, and I didn't go into that because there were two, the the names were, when you got four words in your name, it's too complicated. Yeah. It's like enough. Uh, according to a press release, the GD 2000 would allow for aerial delivery now, this was interesting because there were some PACOM forces involved in this testing as well. It would allow for aerial delivery to remote islands that require a greater level of precision to reliable, reliably reach their destination. With some modification, the glider can also land and be recovered in a maritime environment, further enhancing resupply capabilities to the sort of small islands often found in the Indo-Pacific. So oh we're, we're pointing, gearing, pointing a target, man. That's right. We're gearing up, right? Wow. <laughs> Taiwan, here we come, brother. Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah, we're getting ready for it anyway. Yeah. Uh, where is it? Okay. I will talk about this. saying a whole lot and not saying a thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was just designing it to do islands, you know, like the ones in the South Pacific, you know, <laughs> like the ones off China's coast. Right. 
But just, you know, just just as a what if, right? Yeah, it, the possibility, but not really. So this is a short video. I put the uh, link in the description, uh, but it's pretty cool. And we'll try to narrate it as we go. And these guys all play the superhero music whenever they put these videos together. Yeah, the wings are kind of cool because they're offset vertically. Yeah, they're not they're not even across. So you can tell they're they're pushing it out the cargo. Like they're pushing out the cargo plane. And the wings snap open. That's cool. Yeah, it's not much to look at. It does look like a coffin, like a <laughs> flying coffin, right? It, it, it does look fairly simplistic in yeah 1600 pounds of cargo now that can make a difference right you no, can do some ammo emergency, that way, right emergency resupply for sure absolutely yeah yeah but and no troops no troops right it doesn't carry troops at all hey i guess you could put 1600 pounds of troops in there <laughs> right it's i like think the <laughs> Yeah, I think a parachute might be. But so the auto flare upon its landing, oh, man, that's, that's pretty cool, cool so too. It kind of just deploys flaps right at the end to slow it down. Yeah, and it, it just flares just up and lands on its own. Land. So like slam in. So I'll put that video in the description. That is uh that is one of the better, easier, more affordable tech pieces that we've covered over the last few weeks. So so the question of the day. Does China's balloon cost more than our glider? Are <laughs> <laughs> we supplying, Eric? Well, the balloon probably could, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, at the risk, not that we get a lot of people who listen to us anyway, so we can go ahead and say this stuff, but, <laughs> you know, they let that balloon float all the way across. And then they went apeshit over the next couple of weeks, just shooting down everything, right? And I think... <laughs> They probably knew what they were shooting down. They had to know. They would have to. We know so much, right? So they know this oh, was uh, that high school's uh, weather experiment. They're like, shoot it down. Boom. Done. Right? And they know this was just like some oh, the ones amateur. Later on. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, I want everything shot down. And they're like, okay, we got three more. It's like, good. And we'll, we'll tell the public we're really shooting everything down. <laughs> Poor kid's like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Like, here's a million bucks. Shut up, kid. <laughs> well, I think they caught so much grief for not shooting it down the first time, man. They're like, well, we're not yeah. going to do with that shit again. Yeah, we're just going to shoot down everything and say it's China. Yeah. Even though it probably originally was made in China. Um, <laughs> it's just the Wildcat <laughs> High School is flying it now. And you're like, yeah. So, pretty cool tech. Um. Okay, this next one is from armytimes.com. Uh back or a couple of weeks ago, the US Army Small Arms Championships were held at Fort Benning, Georgia. So I tried to find uh some more information about exactly what these events were. Uh didn't really didn't really could not really find an article that laid out which events they are, but I have a short video here that shows kind of some of it. But the, co the competition, colloquially known in Army circles as the All-Army, is hosted Ooh. by the Army Marksmanship Unit each year at Fort Benning, Georgia, and tests soldiers' ability to use both primary and secondary weapon systems in a live-fire event, solve problems, and think critically under stress. You know, and it reminds me of 
Do you ever watch the biathlon? I watch about five minutes of the biathlon, and it, <laughs> but then it's too boring. But uh, for those guys, one, to cross-country ski, which is an ass kicker anyway, and yeah. then to gather yourself and control your breathing and be able to shoot those targets, yeah. that's that's badass when you're like... It is pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um, more than 250 shooters competed in this year's event. Those competitors included 90 active duty soldiers, 47, 47 Army National Guard soldiers, 69 Army Reserve soldiers, 39 Army... ROTC cadets and eight Air National Guardsmen. So the Air National Guardsmen must have been invited or something because usually it's Army. <laughs> this annual event brings out hundreds of soldiers and is open to all Army personnel, active reserve, and National Guard. To be fully competitive, a shooter had to be equally adept at precision pistol shooting, designated marksman, and long-range rifle across-the-course shooting. I'm not sure what across-the-course shooting means. Uh, close quarters carbine. Is it carbine or carbine? No, I have no idea. Uh, thanks for the help. Uh, yeah. Practical speed shooting with both rifle and pistol and cross-country running. So I, I don't think there's that much running. you got to run towards a station, I think. Right. All the courses are equally important, so a specialist can't dominate one area and come out ahead. Plus, all Army requires being consistently good over a full week. They do this for a full week. Major yeah. Samuel Freeman with the South Carolina Army National Guard won the overall All-Army Individual Champion title. He also took top honors for both the individual rifle and pistol championships. So, you know, a bulk of his free cash goes towards ammo. <laughs> yeah, does the Army have a shooting team? I think they right? do. The Air Force has a competitive shooting team. It, yeah. you would, you I would wonder if those would, guys are right? eligible for this. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point because there's a bunch of categories uh, in addition to the events. There's like yeah. an open division and then there's like a cadet division. So uh, I, I don't know. It would seem that they would have like official army Army marksman team against Air Force marksman team against Marine yeah, marksman that, team, that kind you know, of something thing. like that. This sounds more individual, uh, but yeah. but they do have group, they do have team awards too. So and it was two hundred and sixty competitors. Yeah, it's a um, lot of all components. Right, right, guys. You, you know what this story does for me? Crazy. It allows me to think after all the shows we've done and all the past things we've talked about, we finally have a story that talks about the Army doing what it's trained to do. <laughs> you mean a positive story. <laughs> a positive story. And do the things they're trained to do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's you true. know, and it, it's really, it does my heart good to hear it. Well, uh, as most civilian news does, it's only news if it's uh, miserable. You know? Yeah, that's true. And a lot of these websites are just, hey, this guy got arrested. This commander got relieved. This vehicle yeah. didn't work. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to wait. I wanted to mention the two Blackhawks that went down. Oh yeah, you know, it killed like nine guys. Yep, I saw. Um, and I, but I wanted to wait until we got the investigation on that because I just, you know, I, 
I, I know Task and Purpose has their names and pictures of the people that went down. Mm. And mm. perhaps we should probably do a tip of the hat to because there's a lot of training accidents that happen every week. Yeah. So maybe we should bring those up here. Maybe that's uh, something we can do in the future. Um, yeah. Acknowledge but, their sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in training. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. First Lieutenant Zachary Reed with the Utah Army National Guard won first place in the multi-gun championship. That's something I really would like to try. A multi-gun range, you know, shotgun, pistol, and a rifle. Yeah. Uh, on the group side, the Utah Army National Guard team took first in the multi-gun competition, and the South Carolina Army National Guard team won the rifle team champion while the New Hampshire Army National Guard team secured the pistol team champion. A lot of guard guys. Well, you know, that's all they do is train because the Air Force Guard guys were always better than the active duty guys as well because they had nothing to do but train. (laughs) Uh, Well, and there there might be something to that because I know those F-16 Guard guys at Buckley win awards all the time. Yeah. How good they are, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe it is. Maybe that's uh, you know, when they come in, it's like I'm going to the range, and they're like, okay, we'll see you Sunday. Yeah. So uh maybe that's maybe that's the case. And maybe they have more maybe they have more access to ammo ammo. Because I know active duty ammo is regulated. Well, and I think active duty is other uh, has other activities that they got to do other than training. You know, you got to do your normal job, you got to do yeah. all these other activities where these guys come in and they focus, okay, for the next Six weeks, we're going to do nothing but focus on this competition. Well, and it might be it might be that they have the opportunity when they're not drilling, and they're civilians like, "Hey, I'm going oh, to yeah. the range." Uh, yeah. Where the actives is like, "I'd like to go out the range, but I'm out in the field for three weeks." Yep, yep, good point. Well, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Um, again, I will put the link to this video in the description, but. It's a rather long one. I'll try to fast forward a little bit if I can find the down. But it shows just a, a sample of these guys. So this gave you an example of their pistol stuff. Fire. So they're all out in the field, line of them. And they're all standing, shooting at the targets with, I guess it's their 9 mil. It looks like the Beretta. It doesn't look like that new, um, the new one they put just the six hours. So then they take, uh, they fire so many rounds, and now they're all laying prone. Could be the six hour guys. I'm not sure. It looks pretty square on top. So now they're completely prone, shooting another set of targets. I know this is great podcast for you because all you get here is good. Is nice. This is good. Now they're kneeling. That is the SIG, by the way. That's is that the SIG? How, yeah. what, how can you tell? The squareness of the slide on top. Oh, really? Yep. Now that's weird because they're laying down, but they're almost on their side. Yeah, he's, he's leaning on his side hard. They're almost doing gangster. Okay, so now they they have a line. The guys are standing with their hands out, both hands out. 
I don't know if there's a quick draw. Look at that guy fourth down the line. Look at that gut. You know he's National Guard. <laughs> he has to lay on his side. Okay, so it's almost a quick draw. Oh, they, they, they fired. I don't know how many rounds they shot, but that was quick. Looked like an eight-round match, maybe? That guy cheated. He got through his knee with his plastic. Yeah, I don't know. Phone. That seems. It seems like he cheated. Okay, so here's uh, so that that was the pistol competition. Here's the uh, some of the rifle stuff. Stand by. You know what's funny? No matter how often a guy tries to shoot a rifle with a helmet on, it never works. Right. Really. <laughs> Not with those big uh, those no. big optic scopes they got on. Just there. never works. I don't see him shooting with any mechanical sights, and that's what they should be using, right? But I guess not. I, are they, I guess they're issuing those sights. I look at the manual now? on this competition, and you're authorized to use the ACOG. Really? Wow! Yeah, and it was a. There's certain times where you could sight it in before the competition. Yeah, they got a whole zero day. I think their first day is all zeroing. Yep. But here's a here's one quick thing about their rifle. So they're all on the line with their rifles at the ready. That's quite the distance, isn't it? What do you yeah, think that's got to be three hundred yards, maybe. Sure looks like it. Okay, so they all take off running to the berm, and now they're getting down in a prone position, and now they start engaging the target. So I, I don't know if that's what they call the cross country run because that was about twenty feet. <laughs> <laughs> it really wasn't that far. So. Anyway, uh, the guard be smacking these troops who got their toes in the ground, their heels sticking up. Yeah, I, yeah, it's not the greatest position, but uh, I suppose whatever position you want to lay in, as long as that target goes down. Well, I'm talking about in an actual combat situation, you want to make a low silhouette as possible. Your heel goes down flat like those guys are, because if your foot's up, your heel can be shot. That's right. That's what Sergeant Hulka said in. Uh, Price. The big butt down soldier you might get a shot off one day. The big toe. <laughs> the big toe. That's right. <laughs> See, he would go into our, our group for uh great E7s. Oh yeah, Sergeant Hulka. So we should start a list. Great movie E7s. Sergeant Hulka, first on the list. I like it. <laughs> what do you think, Jake? Yeah, I, I would have to watch that movie again. <laughs> Uh, okay, <clears throat> last. Do you uh, remember the movie Police Academy? Well, of course. The original one. Jake, did you ever see that? Not number five. No, number one. <laughs> yeah. The first one. I've seen, I've seen one through six. Big uh, fan. The, the premise of the first Police Academy was that the mayor had, because they needed cops, so... She she waived all requirements to sign up for the police academy, right? Yeah. No weight, sex, height, uh, physical ability, all waived. You can all go to the police academy. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. Well, I mentioned that for our last story here. That is from the airforcetimes.com. 
Batter recruits now welcome as Air Force revises its rules. Does the story say it that way? Yes, that's the headline. (laughs) Batter recruits now welcome as Air Force Force. Everyone come on in. Oh, my God. The Air Force has loosened its restrictions on body fat for new recruits. One of the latest moves to grow the pool of potential applicants amid the military's recruiting crisis. Loosened its restrictions and its belt line. (laughs) So much fraternity pants for everybody. (laughs) So much for Max Velcrocity anymore, right? It's got to be stretchy pants. It's got to be all. It's pregnancy pants for everyone. Yeah, exactly. That like elastic panel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. In the past, men needed to be 20% body fat or below, and women's bodies needed to be 28% body fat or below to be eligible for service. That benchmark is now 26% (laughs) body fat for men and 36% for women. Air Force Recruiting Service spokesman Leslie Brown said Monday, So what is obese, you might be asking? Well, the American (laughs) Council on Exercise categorizes as obese those with body fat percentages over 25% for men and over 32% for women. And the Air Force just raised it up to 26% for men and 36% for women. Wow. So we are above... The, uh, the line that the American Council on Exercise categorizes as obese now. Amazing. Uh, officials changed the body fat standard based on the rec- recommendation of a team led by Air Force Vice Chief of Staff General David Alvin that was formed to look at recruiting challenges. They anticipate that 50 to 100 more people could now join the Air Force each month as a result. I wonder what David Alvin's waistline is. <laughs> I'm Googling him right now. <laughs> I am. All right, Dave. Oh. I see why you did this. Now, if he's sitting, just leaning back, bouncing the beer <laughs> on his belly, and he's like, let's go to 32% body fat. Good yeah. idea, General. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> He's not. He's about six foot four. Probably a runner. He's a skinny dude. Interesting, but they could get 50 to 100 more people. Um, The change, this was interesting. This was interesting the way they phrased this statement. The change reflects an attempt to adapt to the national obesity crisis that has stymied military recruiting compared to earlier. Svelter decades. (laughs) Now listen to this. This is alarming. A Johns Hopkins University study published in 2021 and updated in February of this year found that more than half of Americans age 18 to 25 are overweight or obese based on their body mass index. BMI is one measure of body composition as calculated by dividing a person's weight by their height, which is not the most accurate. It's actually a shitty way to do it, but it's what we got, right? So using that standard, the percentage of Americans in that age range with a BMI indicating a normal weight dropped from about 70% in 1976. So 70% were uh in, you know, were skinny, right? In 76. Yeah. 
and it rose to and or dropped to third only 34% in 2018. So only 34% of Americans age range or age 18 to 25 uh are fit or right so that's it we dropped we went from 70% to 34%. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty alarming. What a state of affairs the military is in, man. Uh, and just to reiterate, reiterate, last month, Air Force personnel boss Lieutenant General Carolyn Miller told congressional lawmakers the service expected to miss its fiscal 2023 active duty recruiting goal by around 4,100 people. The Air National Guard and Air Force Reserve project they will fall short by 4,600 and 3,600 rec- respectively. Halfway through the fiscal year, the active duty Air Force has brought in less than 50% of its goal of 26,877 new airmen for 2023. Only around 11,200 recruits have come in so far. Wow. You know, I remember in jump school, one of my, one of the cadences that kind of made me sort of giggle every time they sang it because it was so abrupt. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) It was like, Fat boy, fat boy, why are you so fat? Can't be an airborne looking like that. It made me laugh every time they started singing it because it was just like, fat boy, fat boy. And I was like, God damn. Now, well, Air Force isn't running anymore, so there's no reason to call Cadence. Oh, my God. This so there we are. Today, man. <laughs> there we are. Oh, man, man, it's just crazy that that the eligibility is still so limited even raising that up, you know? And they still, yeah, they, they still can't get it. I, you know, they're trying, I think my opinion that they're, they're trying all these kind of superfluous things. They're like, well, maybe it's the weight. Well, maybe it's the ASVAB or maybe it's a, and they put such a, a negative spin on America and the military um, and then you got bad water, you got mold, you got trying to take your benefits away, you got yeah. being kicked out for COVID, um, you got, you know, on and on and on, all these problems that keep getting reported on. And they're like, well, maybe it's just we're just not reaching out to the fatties. And it's like, <laughs> no, that's not the problem with recruiting. You know, you got a bigger issue, nobody they're not feeling the pride, and plus. When you can make more money now with you know Burger King paying you 20 bucks an hour, sure. Why the hell do I want to go in as a private airman basic and make peanuts? I can make more working in the food court on base than I can being in uniform on base. Yeah. yeah. And that sense of pride we used to have in being part of that establishment, right. I don't believe it's there anymore. Right, right, right. And it, it's like, no wonder you're not getting anybody in the military. Yeah. Yep. So it's not because they've smoked pot or tattoos or, you know, yeah, and all this other stuff. That's not it. There's bigger issues out there that I don't think they're addressing. Well, I'm pretty sure I'd go in and refer one of you guys to get in there and complete basic training. I need that ribbon. <laughs> you can't get past that ribbon. <laughs> that just kills me, man. Hey, now that they expanded the weight standard, I'd be good. Uh, well, if if they expand the weight standard and just give you a Fitbit and they're like, okay, uh, 
<laughs> Airman Wall, go take care of yourself. You'd be like, fuck it. Hey, man, there we go. But you got to come back in as an E3. You're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's raise our spirits. Let's uh, continue on with all, all our all military selection. And to this week, it's non dogs. So it's animals, but it's non dogs. Yeah. Right? Non dogs. And what we're going to do. Uh, since there's been a little bit of controversy about how we decide the winner of this, we are going to throw it out to you, the listeners, on all our platforms to please vote for who you think should be our all-military animal. It's groundbreaking. We're going to see what comments we get after we present each of our cases. All right. Since I won last week, with Sergeant Stubby, my all-military uh, carrier, I will go last. All right, Jake, you want to flip a coin? Oh, I'll, I'll take it. I don't care. All right. All right, I'm going with Staff Sergeant Reckless. And this was a Marine <laughs> Packers during Korean War. All right. Nice. She was purchased in Korea. I don't there they didn't say on what language she spoke or how she responded. <laughs> it didn't say that she was bilingual. Um Smokey, Smokey was bilingual. Smokey was no lingual. <laughs> he didn't respond to either one of them. Must we pick on the smallest dog out there? <laughs> so this this was a basically a horse you know, bought and purchased in Korea and just to carry supplies and ammunition from the Marines of uh, the 5-1 recon uh, recoilless rifle platoon, okay? Right. During one battle alone, yep, there she is, Sergeant Reckless. She carried, she, she accomplished 51 solo as an unguided, no, no human there with her, Unguided trips to resup to resupply the lines and bring wounded back. So <laughs> she kept going back and forth to the line fifty one times, and I'm I'm assuming it's during the battle. So there's wounded, there's everything. That's there's shots being fired, and she's just all right. Here we go. Load me up. So are we seriously talking about a smart horse or a dumb horse? I don't know, man. Sounds, <laughs> I, know, I mean, it's unguided, so she's pretty good about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, that first trip, what what were they thinking, right? It was like, ah, oh, we'll never see this horse again. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly, yeah. And it shows up, so, and they're like, well, okay, we'll take this ammo yeah, with you. Yeah, take this guy back with you. <laughs> Holy shit, he came back again. We'll take these guys back with you. And he just... <laughs> It's gotta be they've got to be continuously amazed by that, right? All right. So it sounds like the consensus is that the smart horse. <laughs> the smart horse. So um during her time in the service, she received a battlefield promotion to sergeant. She received two purple hearts and a good conduct medal. So she was a good horse. <laughs> um she was the first horse known to have participated in any amphibious landing. And wow. then after the war, Reckless was actually brought back to the United States and promoted to staff sergeant. Wow. So there is a metal statue honoring her 
<laughs> Life size like Smokies. Right. Um, that was recently unveiled at Camp Pendleton. Wow, that's that's very cool, cool. man. So that was a hell of a horse. Half side and reckless, right there. That's a pretty good nomination. Yeah, hell of a horse. That's pretty good. That may be hard to beat. Well, if you pick a freaking puny little, <laughs> you know, like a pygmy donkey or something like that. Dude, I thought you were my supporter, man. Right, <laughs> so wire, man. <laughs> I have decided to go just a little bit of distance here. So oh. I went with a, an animal that made the ultimate sacrifice. Oh, oh the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate. This was yes, Old please. Douglas the camel. Douglas was a domesticated camel, and he was used by Company A of the 43rd Mississippi Infantry, part of the Confederate Army during the American Civil War. Now, who would have known they had camels in the Civil War? No comments? No, I, I wouldn't have known. Right? Yeah. Pretty cool. So because of old Douglas, the 43rd Mississippi Infantry known uh, became known as the Camel Regiment. Huh. Uh, prior to the Civil War, there was an uh, experiment called the Texas Camel Experiment, which aimed to experiment with camels as a possible alternative to horses and mules, which were dying of dehydration in vast numbers. Yeah. So they were looking at camels as suitable replacements. Um, during the same period of the Texas Camel Experiment, other camels were being privately imported to Mobile, Alabama. According to newspaper accounts in Alabama, Mississippi, planners sought to experiment with the camels in agricultural work. Old Douglas was purchased by William Hargrove and was initially given to Colonel Moore by First Lieutenant William Hargrove when he joined the 43rd Mississippi Infantry. Besides being a mascot, Moore assigned Douglas to be a, in the, be a member of the regimental band who carried instruments and knapsacks. That was part of it. Though the men tried to treat old Douglas like a horse, the camel was known to break free of his tether and was eventually allowed to gaze freely and was used to carry equipment back and forth to the front. Huh. Old Douglas, the old Douglas's first active service was, was with General Sterling Price in the Luca campaign. He also participated in the 1862 Battle of Corinna. He remained with the regiment until the Siege of Vicksburg, where he was killed by Union sharpshooters. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. They shot no, the camel? He shot the camel. Douglas. So here comes the ultimate sacrifice. During the Siege of Vicksburg, the Confederate Army troops were starving. Oh, my goodness. They were starving? They were starving. Might as well. Oh, come on. Yes, the Confederacy pulled old Douglas back behind the lines and used him as food to survive during the Battle of Vicksburg. Oh, Ultimate wow. sacrifice the camel made. Well, I don't think he made the sacrifice, but I don't think he, well, I don't think he said, shoot me, but he gave, 
his life. We are talking about an animal. Wait, who ate him? <laughs> his buddies. No, I mean the south or the north. The south. South. Okay. south. So he was shot. He was shot by the north. He was shot by north. And by the way, enraged at the camel's death, the men swore to vengeance. Colonel Beaver enlisted six of his best snipers and successfully shot the culprit who killed Douglas's oh, the camel. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Douglas is currently honored with his own grave marker in Cedar Hill Cemetery in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Wow. He is, along with other camels used during the war, not overlooked by historians nor by Civil War reenactors. There is currently a group called the Texas Camel Corps whose mission is to promote stories of camels like old Douglas used during the Civil War. Huh. Where'd the camel come from? Well, like I said, before the Civil War, there was a um, a uh, experiment, and I think they brought them in from Saudi Arabia. Oh, so they there was part of some other thing that they were doing, and just yeah, right. Okay. Uh, not I really think, a local boy. Not like <laughs> not local boy. Uh, they were bringing them over. Um, as an experiment. Okay. By the way, that experiment actually failed. The camels weren't fast enough and ultimately um, could not do the job. Oh. So they ate them too? Yep. I think old Douglas <laughs> was the only victim. <laughs> but quite the animal story. All the way they back to their lesson. Camels. All the way back to the Civil War. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty creative, man. I, I'll give you that. All right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I got your winner, though. Oh, here we go. I do. It's uh, Is your animal going to be bigger than my four-pound, seven-inch tall? No, but he was 100 times more heroic. <laughs> I chose Cher Ami, who was a registered black Czech Carrier pigeon, male carrier pigeon, from 1918 and 1919, World War One. Cher Ami, Cher A M I, Cher Ami, which means dear friend in French, was born in 1918. Cher Ami was one of the 600 Army Signal Corps pigeons sent to France to assist with communication on the battlefield. Cher Ami had 12. Successful missions, which is a high success rate among homing pigeons. I don't know what their rate was normally. Well, I mean, two. <laughs> if you think about it, like the battlefield, the the opposing force is trying to shoot them down. Yeah. And then you got to compete with hawks and owls and all kinds Everything. of Everything. Right. Right. <laughs> and I got this thing attached to my leg, throwing yeah. me off. Uh, when the Germans became aware of the Army's use of pigeons in carrying important information, they began training to shoot them down. Cher Ami had his most dangerous mission during the Meuse-Argonne Offensive in 1918. Cher Ami was stationed with the 77th Division, referred to as the, quote, Lost Battalion, end quote, in the Argonne Force. They found themselves cut off from the rest of the American troops under heavy bombardment. The battalion was trapped behind German lines and, un and unable to make their position known. Soon, American bombs began falling on the lost battalion on October 4th, making the situation very dire. 
since they were out of the reach of the radio signal, using a homing pigeon was their only choice. American Major Charles Whittlesey and his men watched as a whole. <laughs> this is funny. They watched as almost all of their pigeons were shot down by the Germans until they were left with only one share of me. I mean, <laughs> I, I see them go like, okay, go, uh, Francois, go, boom. We're down to one. We'll see a chance to note to Cherami's leg writing, quote, we are along the road parallel to 276.4. Our own artillery is dropping a barrage directly on us. For heaven's sake, stop it. Close quote. <laughs> that was his note. That's a great note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Cherami dodged German bullets, giving the soldiers hope until he was shot through the chest and fell to the ground. Against all odds, he returned to the sky to deliver the message. He flew at record speeds, covering 25 miles in a little less than a half an hour. Wow. That's a mile a minute. That's pretty cool. (laughs) He arrived at the American base with the message, alive but badly wounded. American medics were able to save Cherami, but he'd lost his right leg and was permanently blinded. You see why I chose a pigeon? Because he lost his leg too. Oh, <laughs> spirits. Are you trying to get the sentimental vote? Yeah, dude, nobody I'm, cares about that. I'm just dude. saying, you know, one-legged, one-legged animals can be pretty heroic. Yeah. Due to Cher Ami's trip, the bombardment on the Lost Battalion stopped and 194 men safely returned to American lines. Cher Ami was awarded the Croix de Guerre by the French government to honor bravery on the battlefield. General John Pershing, who also decorated Sergeant Stubby, honored him by saying, there isn't anything the United States can do too much for this bird. Can Blind you imagine the general of animals, man? I know. Can you imagine uh Black Jack Pershing, right? right? Commander of all forces. And he's like, okay, I'll I'll give this goddamn dog a medal. And they're like, there's somebody pulling on his shirt, they're like, General, we got a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Don't we have any soldiers? Next thing you're gonna That's be where I draw the line. You'll be bringing me a damn mule and a camel. <laughs> So that's my nomination. Pigeon share a me. So in that battle, like how many people did her did share a me's or his? 194 he saved. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, After being definitely. shot through the chest. Yeah. Now that seems a little bit much of an overstatement because there's not much of a pigeon chest. Yeah. So it's, and, it's not like it ran him through, you know, maybe it grazed him. I guess. Hey, did I guy did I tell you guys that old Douglas fed the entire 43rd Mississippi Infantry? Oh, <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there. You want me to go into certain recklesses like morale building antics? <laughs> also, she loved never left you couldn't as a Marine, you could never leave your rations around her. She <laughs> yeah. would just tear them up. Especially scrambled eggs, pancakes. And she now did that, enjoy stealing a morning cup of coffee every now and then. 
Now that picture I just showed you of Cher of me the pigeon is in the Smithsonian. That's a stuffed uh, model of Cher of me with one leg and a bulgy eye. And a bulgy eye. <laughs> this is going to be a tough vote for the crowd, man. So you're in the Smithsonian. Meanwhile, there are six national monuments to Safsar and Reckless around the country. Six? Yeah. National Museum at the Marine Corps Quantico, Marine Corps oh. Base Pendleton, Kentucky Horse Park, Lexington, Kentucky. That seems that seems a little excessive. Okay. I'm impressed, but did I tell you that old Douglas fed the whole 43rd Mississippi <laughs> all yes. from his pump? Yes, old <laughs> Douglas created shawarma for the South. Shawarma. <laughs> so while we're going back and forth on this, I do have an honorable mention. Okay, Ooh. let's hear the honorable mention. And this. And if this one wins, if viewers choose the honorable mention, uh, listeners choose the honorable, honorable mention. This is right. just ridiculous. So, this was a Navy pig. <laughs> it was known as King Neptune, and it received its promotion during World War II when it was sold to an Illinois Navy recruiter. All right, this pig was originally intended to be dinner but was able to accomplish its job without getting shot or sacrificing its hindquarters <laughs> unlike somebody's camel okay so <laughs> so the navy instead the guy the recruiter bought him and made him the star promoting him to the king like giving him a crown and basically sending him on like a USO tour selling war bonds wow would, really they, yeah so they would line this pig up on stage with a crown on and then they would auction off different parts of this pig oh, no. <laughs> yeah, they, i mean they never they didn't kill the 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 animal but um they would auction this pig off and ultimately king neptune helped raise over 19 million dollars for the what? wow now that's impressive that is impressive they, they took this pig on a uso tour auctioning off different hind corners and back roasts <laughs> and everything and then they're <laughs> to raise war bonds kind of thing <laughs> and so what they they auction them off and then just skip town and not pay people off no, it was a it was you bought that hind quarter. Oh, I got you. And, and, and you it got was a just a donation. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So but you know there were some people who are like, I really want that. Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there is rationing going on, right? Where's this pork belly at? <laughs> <laughs> Honorable mention Neptune. Yep. All right, so it is up to our listeners to choose the winner between Old Douglas, Cher uh, Ami, and Sergeant Reckless. Is it Reckless? Oh yeah, don't 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 try to pretend like you don't know that it's Sergeant Reckless. Getting me to lose here. Just I, another, I, just another horse. Oh, here we go. Well, at least the horse wasn't eaten. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the horse gets sacrificed. The camel did his job and 
fed the whole 43rd. The cattle was starting to turn and the Confederates were hungry. Yeah. They were like, like, yeah, might as well. I'm tired (laughs) of smelling this thing. I'm just going to eat it. Saved a lot of lives during the Civil War. (laughs) Gotta say. I don't think you can calculate the 51 trips of ammunition and at least 51 people brought back to the medic set. Yeah, that's pretty good. And that's just one engagement. 12 missions, 12 successful homing pigeon missions, 194 men saved. I don't know. With one leg, no eye, and shot in the chest. Yeah. Did I tell you he was a member of the 43rd Mississippi Infantry Band? Old Douglas carried the instruments. That's some pretty (laughs) morale was improved by 14%. They're right. How often do you see a camel in a band? How often do you see a band on the battlefield? Yeah, exactly. Well, apparently they were there. Apparently. Maybe they were the ones eating them. (laughs) Probably tired of dealing with them. (laughs) (laughs) That son of a bitch spits at me one more time. Uh, (laughs) It just wandered Old Douglas. Come on. It took my drum again. Can you believe me? <laughs> it has a name. Okay. You have to go back I, to the ultimate sacrifice. He died on the battlefield helping the people, the men. He wasn't killed. Well, we don't him. really know what he was doing when he got shot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, do you see that picture? That picture you sent me. Look how big. Like Look how big that camel is. <laughs> you don't think the Union sharpshooters were like, if I see that camel again, I'm taking him out. Yeah, there was there was money on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you got the camel, damn it. The Confederate sharpshooters knew exactly who shot him by the <laughs> joy and celebration. And the, and the brass instruments all strapped to him. <laughs> Carried a lot of equipment, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh. On that note, I think I'll call end up. And on behalf of all of us here, I'd like to thank you for listening today. Please like, share, subscribe, and let us know how we did in the comments. And please help us decide our winner of our non-dog all-military animal. Please leave us a comment and vote on who you think should be chosen and as always make sure to download the next episode for more service headline news gentlemen thanks for the week i'll see you next week go old douglas (laughs) no cheerleading at the end (laughs) recruits eric just remember that recruits that just randomly bring a friend in have more medals than that stupid (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, you guys have a good evening.